he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to sign March 16th when free agency opens up or you're hearing about a contract in principle with a team in, on March 14th. He's, he might be one of those guys that goes a little bit deeper into free agency, maybe not a June, July guy, but certainly potentially getting into April, potentially getting into May, just based upon his rehabilitation, right? He has to clear. He's got to get cleared by doctors. He has to be medically cleared. He has to finish up his rehabilitation and teams sort of have to see how his mobility is and how his functionality is as a quarterback. So it's great seeing him now on field throw throwing passes yeah that's a really nice thing to see outside of seeing him in the gym but you know we'll see how long this rehabilitation process takes him before he's able to really land with whether it's new orleans saints or another team that's ross jackson host of the locked on saints podcast out in indianapolis covering the nfl combine big year ahead for the saints complete change sean payton has gone as head coach dennis allen takes over the reins at the caesar's superdome of course what are they going to do under center? Does Jameis Winston return? Ross and I discuss that and the return to London, plus much more. I'm Anthony Wilson, and this is the Transatlantic Sports Show. Delighted to say, here to talk all things Saints, the guy I go to when I want my Saints news. That is Ross Jackson, the host of Locked On Saints. How you doing, Ross? Hey, buddy. Glad to be back here with you, man. Doing well. Um, and, you know, hoping to hoping to be able to uh, match the New Orleans Saints with a, a trip to London here soon. <laughs> hey, come on, man. You know what? I can set up a, a live venue. We can uh, get you on. We could do some recordings and more importantly, share some beer. Let's do it. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. Look, I know some great spots. I know some guys who would uh, definitely love to have us there the hosting podcast. So, you just say when, when you've got that ticket booked, Locked On, if you're listening, Locked On Podcast Network, send your boy Ross over here. He'll be well looked after. Looking forward to it, man. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. But I'm glad to be here with you today, bud. Yeah, great to have you on. Look, you're, I think we're going to start in Indianapolis because you're up there for the uh, the Combine this week. And naturally, Combine Week always starts with the press conferences, a plethora of press conferences from head coaches and owners uh, and all that. And then, you know, by the end of the week, the guys that the whole thing is set up for, they, they go about their business, but they're almost like an afterthought at this stage. It must be, must be like that for you guys out there. You know, are you sticking around to watch the prospects in action as well? Or are you just, you're there for the nitty gritty and getting those, uh, those exclusives? <laughs> really, really there for the nitty gritty, uh, getting the interviews and doing all that and also catching up. You know, look, the combine is it's no secret, right? The combine is where a lot of those backdoor, backroom conversations happen and everything. And you start to hear a little bit of, you know, news around some of the bigger names and around high impact positions. You know, you've already heard so much quarterback news come out uh, over the course of this week with guys like Aaron Rodgers working on a short uh, reportedly negotiating a short-term deal with the Green Bay Packers seeing if he can if they can get that all you know taken care of and finally put that situation to rest uh, Josh McDaniels the new head coach of Las Vegas Raiders telling everybody that David uh, that, excuse me that Derek Carr is their starter starting quarterback week one same thing for Nick Sirianno about um, next year on, excuse me, about um, uh, Jalen Hurts over in Philadelphia. And so now, you know, you go into this offseason thinking that it was going to be this humongous and kind of really strange and really volatile quarterback market that was just going to kind of go off at some point. And now, 
all those veteran quarterbacks are all of a sudden dwindling off the board and these quarterback needy teams maybe now the end of this week with the combine the workouts the the dr- the drills all of that become even more important particularly at that position yeah because otherwise you're talking about the likes of what teddy bridgewater uh mm-hmm. jimmy garoppolo who knows what his shoulder is going to be like marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. yeah mitchell trubisky yeah he's hey. been a big name around here hey. everybody's talking about him <laughs> locked on saints how you feeling <laughs> Look, I think that he would be a, a very fun backup option, but I think the Saints have uh, another direction that they're potentially interested in going. Just looking at what they've done so far over the course of the offseason with you know uh, familiarity, continuity, elevating Dennis Allen to head coach from uh, defensive coordinator. Putting their bringing their two co-defensive coordinators in from within the facility as well. Same thing with Pete Carmichael retaining him as offensive coordinator. All signs point to me in terms of the number one option being keeping Jameis Winston or getting Jameis Winston to stick around in New Orleans. And so I think that Mitch Trubisky is a pretty far drop from there in terms of upside. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of teams that would be interested in a guy like Mitch Trubisky that don't maybe necessarily have the immediate ties to another quarterback the way that the New Orleans Saints do. Yeah, and I don't don't know if you've seen but i'm sure you have the uh, the rehab videos that uh, james mm-hmm. has been posting over the last few days yeah he's been working hard i mean this is this is the big thing i mean he's probably not going to be and and you know hopefully i'm wrong about this but he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to sign march 16th when free agency opens up or you're hearing about a contract in principle with a team in, on march 14th he's he might be one of those guys that goes a little bit deeper into free agency maybe not a june july guy but certainly potentially getting into april potentially getting into may just based upon his rehabilitation right he has to clear he's got to get cleared by doctors he has to be medically cleared he has to finish up his rehabilitation and teams sort of have to see how his mobility is and how his functionality is as a quarterback so it's great seeing him now on field throw throwing passes yeah that's a really nice thing to see outside of seeing him in the gym but you know we'll see how long this rehabilitation process takes him before he's able to really land with whether it's new orleans saints or another team you know i I guess given his situation teams are probably going to be more inclined to offer him a one-year deal kind of a a Mm prove-it deal and i think he knows the saints uh, he knows the playbook okay sean payton's gone but you know he he knows the operations there so he's probably going to feel a bit more like he can trust the saints more than perhaps going somewhere entirely new and different yeah that would be my anticipation i think that it's a good fit on both sides right the new orleans saints looking for familiarity continuity james winston can benefit from that same familiarity and continuity with pete carmichael carrying on as the offensive coordinator the offensive system is going to be a little bit different it's going to have its changes but the majority of the way it's going to be the same system that we have seen or it's going to be you know the same system that we have seen installed and created and innovated and generated by sean payton because pete carmichael was right there with him from the very beginning as the quarterback coach in 2006 and then moving up to offensive coordinator in 2009 and so i think that you know we'll see a lot of the same um flow a lot of the same concepts a lot of the same philosophy there and i think that that benefits more comfortably for a team and player who have played together before who have been together before it's one of the reasons why you know you mentioned teddy bridgewater teddy bridgewater probably isn't that far of a reality if the saints can't retain Jameis Winston for any reason because he does get maybe a bigger contract than expected but you're right I think that it is going to be a little bit more of a prove it deal incentive laden that allows him to maybe move into a second year we're saying just there Ross you know you're living the NFL reporter's dream up in Indianapolis St. Elmo's is the restaurant that that you you hear about you know gossip and speculation is rife Have, have you have you managed to stretch the locked on budget you know and just to loosen up a few of these NFL personal 
SNL execs with the with beer, maybe a bit of wine, or you know, a nice bourbon at the end of the night, just to grab the odd <laughs> exclusive or two. Uh, I haven't haven't gone uh, gone to those measures just yet, but let me just say <laughs> that the week is still early. The week is still early. Amen. St. Elmo's known for its shrimp cocktails, but not a bad idea to go and find cocktails as well. You know what I mean? So you know, I think we'll 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 find our way through for sure. <laughs> Locked on Saints is the place to go for your exclusives. Uh, is is COVID still a thing out there? By the way, you know. <laughs> Restrictions have gone over here. You know, judging by the scenes at, at, at Indy, it, it looks like you're kind of going the same way as us. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. I mean, I think that like the, the airport is maybe the one and only place that still really like forces restrictions and things like that. But you get the feeling that that's going to kind of go away here soon. And then it depends on where you are. You know, like, it, you know, I, I came out to Indy from Los Angeles and Los Angeles is still a little bit more restrictive and everything, particularly indoors, um, you know, showing vaccination cards, things like that, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, I think that there are certain environments in which there's just a social contract, right? Like we know that we're all here to do a job and we know that we're all here with a, with a responsibility to take care of one another. So we'll do that. You know what I mean? And so I think that that is a, uh, a comfortable environment for a lot of us that are, are, are excited to be around each other again, talk to one another again, be around these prospects, be able to meet. Remember they almost bubbled the, uh, the combine and made it effectively impossible to have contact with any of the prospects. So this is a much, much more um, uh, I, I think sustainable model uh, that we're in the midst of right now. Yeah, I remember the uh, the return of the London Games. Here we go. We're going to move seamlessly on to the Saints returning to London. <laughs> the return of the uh, the London Games back in October, and it, it was just it was great to. Yeah. be amongst the guys that I hook up with on the uh, NFL Writers Network over here. We've been faces on Zoom calls for months and months right. on end, and then to, to actually sit with the guys. And by the way, when you come over, because let's face it, you're going to come over with Locked on Saints to, uh, to cover the Saints. When you come over, the media restaurants at the Tottenham Stadium is like nothing you've experienced. Cool. I mean, oh, yeah, honestly, Ross, you're going to okay. love it. It's, it's, all right. it's great. It's great. <laughs> Everybody's in there. You, you're going to hook up with old friends. We'll hook up. We'll sit. We'll have a, a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, and, and look ahead to the game and then wrap things up. And then we head to the pub afterwards, of course. But, um, <laughs> it was just great. It's great to, uh, to be able to, you know, respectfully as well, you know, keep you, keep your social distance if uh, if if that's how you feel inclined to do or if others so, you know we're all there and like you said as well it's like it's that social etiquette um mm-hmm. but we're, we're there for work but great to meet up socially and to to interact uh physically socially with uh, with people again which is uh, a good right. thing you know and yeah we, right. we do have that responsibility we take that responsibility with us as well and we take it seriously so but yeah look the saints they're coming back baby they're coming to london you know they're, they're, the record's not too shabby over on this side of the pond either two and oh that's right in london okay those two wins were at wembley whole new stadium this time around at tottenham hotspur but playing on turf so you're not you know you're not leaving your turf for uh, for grass you're going to be playing on turf but yeah it's an impressive facility the saints obviously know how things are done over here they played the second ever game uh at wembley the second ever NFL London regular season game over here and of course the last time was 2017 I think it was 20 to nothing against the Miami Dolphins rookie season for Alvin Kamara I hooked up with him in the locker room after the game and man I could tell and I'm sure you could at that early stage as well just what a superstar in the making the Saints had 
as early as when was that? Probably what about week four, week five? Yeah, that was early on in the season for sure. And I, you know, I think that we all had a very similar uh, response and just you know his his media availability and, and appearances and things like that after being drafted before the season even began. You just kind of get the feeling or got the feeling from the guy that he was going to be. One of those guys. And now, now, you know what, two, three years in a row, he's won the Media Appreciation Award amongst the New Orleans media as the, you know, favorite in terms of uh, interviews and, and things like that. Like, and it's a, it is a, an award and a, um, a a recognition that he really really appreciates and really really loves and everything and so you know he has been just one of those guys that just jumps off the podium just as much as he jumps off the field and both of those things give him that star quality that superstar quality that he's achieved yeah certainly a superstar game that he had over here at Wembley in fact let's fish out the post-game interview that I had with him in the locker room it was only about 90 seconds a couple of minutes but why don't we hear from him now? We'll hear from, here he is, Alvin Kamara from his rookie season. Yeah, it feels good, you know, just to get that win over in London. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be the go-to guy for uh, Drew Brees during that game. Um, you know, uh, I think that's the flow of the game. The flow of the game just dictates a lot of things. I think I was able to take advantage of the opportunities given to me. Were you surprised at how poor the Dolphins' defense appeared to be in that game? Uh, I think we just took advantage of, you know, the opportunities that we had. And how's the week in London going for you? It's been great. You know, it's my first time overseas, and being in London, I think it was a treat and uh, just a blessing to be out here. You think that the fact that you guys acclimatized, so you came over at the start of the week, they played in your favor. That was an advantage. Uh, It might have been. Uh, I think we just focused, locked in on what we had to do, and we executed what we had to do. What about you personally for the rest of the season going forward? Uh, Just keep working, keep getting better, you know, keep learning as much as I can. Ah, there we go. The the fresh, young Alvin <laughs> Kamara. He's gone on to to great things, even from that game at Wembley. He, he never he didn't peak at Wembley. That was just the beginning. But look, <laughs> he's going to return to London with you, New Orleans Saints. How do you guys feel about the the Saints? Your your team coming over to London again. Of course, you know you get an extra home game this season, so mm-hmm. technically you're not going to miss out too much. But what's the the overall the general feeling among Saints fans that your team's you're taking a home game away? Way, but they're coming to London. Is is it? A, do you feel proud? Is it a cool thing? Well, you know, just give us the vibe. Yeah, no, I think there's a sense of pride to it. I mean, look, I I know that the you know we we call the the Saints fan base, of course, the Houdat Nation, and the Houdat Nation is way more than just New Orleans, way more than Louisiana and the Gulf South. It it is worldwide, and there is you know I know a large contingent of Saints fans in London. A large contingent of Saints fans in Europe, and I think that that is something that a lot of uh, Saints fans take pride in is sort of the national reach of the team or, or the worldwide reach, excuse me, of the team, the international reach. And so I think if you look at, you know, the opportunity for a team like the New Orleans Saints to make their third trip, the first trip was loaded with storylines, right? It was an early competition between Drew Brees and his former team, the San yeah, Diego Chargers. Right. You know, Danian Tomlinson was, you know, going wild in that game. Philip Rivers, like it was a, it was a fantastic matchup and one of the, you know, greatest offenses for the, from the New Orleans Saints or really in the NFL that we saw that season um and you know to have that trip to to london be a part of it 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 helped i think to spur a little bit of the excitement around the new orleans saints on an international level and an international fan base and so i think that when you look at here in 2022 as we move forward to see that excitement still there that excitement still get generated on an international scale for this team that people love so much right there's such a strong connection between the community and team team and community um, you know, in, in New Orleans, in Louisiana, and in the Gulf, in the Gulf 
South region that to know that it extends beyond just that and beyond those walls, I think is something that is it, that does bring a, a very big sense of pride to Saints fans. I'd say while your fans, who that nation, do travel. I remember, yeah. you know, that last game at Wembley speaking to a whole load who had made the trip. They, they'd done it because they wanted to see their team play in London because it's a cool thing to do. And right. they travel and you guys make some noise. <laughs> it's some a, it's noise. a very loud. We are a very loud people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fits in well with the uh, the whole soccer environment over here. And right. the, the Wembley uh, experience is is a different one to the Tottenham experience. So when the, the, the Saints do come over, as I said, you know, it's it's turf at Spurs, as we call them, Tottenham Hotspur at Spurs. But I mean, the stadium, because it's designed specifically for the NFL, you do get that feeling that it is more of an NFL stadium because Wembley, they have to cover up the lower uh, 10 rows of mm-hmm. seats. And that's because you got big dudes stood on the sideline and you're not going to be able to see over their heads. So if you're in one of those first 10 rows, you're not going to see any action. That's why it's covered up. But Tottenham, because you've got the wall there, which you guys naturally have in your stadium over there in the States. Mm-hmm. As a viewing spectacle, it's uh, it's fantastic. So hopefully you can yeah. make it over and you can experience it. Yeah, I'm hoping to be able to do it. And I think that, you know, for the Saints to be able to travel and, you know, yes, they quote unquote lose a home game, right? 17th game, they would have had nine home games. They've got eight home games just like every other season. So I don't really I don't really see it as yeah. them losing a home game, you know, but I know that some people have, have, have mentioned that. But I think that, you know, them being able to travel and to play in an NFL facility that is also turf, just like their home stadium at the Caesars Superdome, that provides a lot of the same familiarities as being at home in the Superdome um, will be uh, positive for for them in, in terms of their travel. They'll have to deal with the indoor outdoor thing, but outside of that, it's you know something that they've they've been able to do, and they've actually been a better team away from their home stadium, and they have been at home over the sure. course of the past couple of seasons anyway. So you know, I, I think that it's something that they'll be very comfortable with. We'll have to see exactly where it all actually lands in terms of the you know time for travel, where the bye week is situated, what what that is relative to the actual travel time and, and the game in London, and then what their following game is all of those things but like this is something that every team does right so it's not something that is specifically puts a team in any kind of a you know situation that they feel bad about it it generates excitement and it's great to be able to you know hit and and go out and play in front of a whole new you know um uh, base of american football fans not even just the fans the teams that play that are playing which is one of my favorite parts about the international games is that you see jerseys of all different teams everyone's favorite team because they're just going to see american football be played in their backyard that's what they want to see and that generates a ton of excitement you know what i've been covering the uh, london games for years and each year is different you know uh, the fans become even more knowledgeable of the game and the players appreciate that as well and you can tell Mm -hmm. in the coaches uh, they can see it that it's a sport that is just it's growing it's being consumed by fans over here and of course it's now branching out to Germany in fact there's a bigger fan base Mm -hmm. in Germany than there is in the UK so that's going to be a great spectacle out there in Munich I mean we won't talk about the the home team that's heading out there some (laughs) NFC South rivals but you know they can have Munich, that's fine. You guys get the uh, the lovely Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So the that's team right, that we right. we shall not name will be heading out to uh, to Germany for uh, the inaugural NFL Germany game. So yeah, they're going to be flip flopping um, between Munich and Frankfurt. 
so this year it's mm-hmm. in Munich and the next year will be Frankfurt and uh, yeah it's it's great and hopefully I'll be heading out to Germany and enjoying that trip just as much as you'll be enjoying your trip over to here to London any any rumors on the opponents out there yeah yeah, so uh, I'll tell you that there are two teams that seem most likely. So this are the two things that we know is that it can't be a divisional game. And also, in addition to that, obviously, it, it's played outside of conference. So that immediately rolls out the idea that it's a divisional game. So it will be an AFC opponent. So the, the ones that, to me, make the most sense are the Saints, who have the two home games against AFC opponents that make the most sense will be against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Or against the Las Vegas Raiders, who of course have also had their own, you know, international series um, presence. But I think that if 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 it makes sense to me that if the NFL wants to generate as much excitement as possible around the game, that the New Orleans Saints taking on the Cincinnati Bengals yes. there would be a fantastic, fantastic sort of main event for the series. And I think that that should be the way that the NFL considers going. Yeah. And you think that just a couple of years ago, the Las Vegas Raiders, who were the Oakland Raiders at the time, mm-hmm. I believe, were the very first home team at Tottenham. Right. So why, you know, why now would you send them as uh, as the road team when you've got the, the Saints right. having their first home game at Tottenham? It makes sense. And like you said as well, the, the buzz around the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. It's going to make money for the NFL. So it makes yeah. total business it, it, sense. Yeah, it sells extremely well. And the narratives around it with you know Joe Burrow having played college football in Louisiana yeah. along with Jamar Chase, the superstar wide receiver. You know, There's a lot of former New Orleans Saints on the Cincinnati Bengals, including this year's near sack leader and Trey Hendrickson, Von yeah. Bell. So there's a lot of these other things that generate enough excitement that the NFL – wouldn't be losing any footing by moving that game outside of New Orleans because Louisiana is going to tune in anyway. New Orleans is going to tune in anyway. And the people that are interested in sort of um, uh, engaged in those storylines are going to be engaged in those storylines. And then you get to take a Super Bowl team and send them on your international series, which I think is another fantastic selling point. Roger, if you're listening, job done. (laughs) <laughs> we did it for you. You ain't we got, you ain't got nothing the Royals are. Yeah, just, just just fly Russ over now. That, that, that's, that's all right. it costs you. That, that's... Yeah, what you would have paid the people to make the decision about which game <laughs> to play, I did that already. Just send me, so that, and I'll, I'll head over. Make sure it all gets done for you. Thank you, Mr. Goodell. And we move on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, I mean, the Saints. We, we can look forward to them coming over. In, it's going to be October time, isn't it? Let's face it; it'll be uh, around then. Uh, but for your team, you know, it's a period of change, isn't it? For Saints fans all over, mm-hmm. I mean, something totally different. I think for a whole generation of Saints fans, you know, we had uh, Drew Brees depart last year, and of course Sean Payton, who achieved so much with the Saints, and also so much last season, given the restrictions that he had. Drew Brees had gone, James Winston was under center, then tore his ACL. And, you know, the injury crisis that he had to deal with, you know, Michael Thomas didn't play. And still, he had them within touching distance of the playoffs, which is, I'm sure he was up there for coach of the year. But anyways, he's gone. So you've got like two mainstays of this franchise that has been so dominant in the NFC for the last, what, decade, decade and a half. It's pastures new now for the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. 
you've got your new head coach who's been involved with the organization for a while so you know mm-hmm. you get the the sense of continuity there how how are you guys feeling how are you guys feeling in 2022 you're there at the combine i would imagine given the the cap situation we'll talk about the off season uh in just a moment but let's just uh, you know focus right now on the saints and the, the change at the new orleans saints how are you guys feeling about 2022 as we approach the new NFL year. Yeah, I think there's a sense of excitement around the the team and I think that some of that just has to do with changing landscapes, right? As as things change, become new opportunities and then those new opportunities, you know, generate these, you know, great chances for you know, uh, new things, new eras, new, you know, legacies to be formed within the team. So I think that this becomes one of those things that, you know, you didn't see anything really unexpected this season beyond the Sean Payton, you know, stepping away. But every move after that in terms of Dennis Allen being elevated, Chris Richard, Ryan Nielsen being elevated and co-defensive coordinator, P. Carmichael sticking around as offensive coordinator, all these things made sense. All these things seemed to be what they were going to be from the very beginning. You know, when we talked about Dennis Allen, we got a lot of questions about, oh, is it going to be Brian Flores is it going to be Eric Bieniemy? Is it going to be you know Aaron Glenn? And we were all kind of like, no, it's probably going to be Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen makes the most sense. He had the best interview of any of the candidates because he got to do it on a on a worldwide scale by coaching the team for a week. Yeah, sure. And- you know, leading them to a nine to zero shutout of the reigning Super Bowl champion uh, team that we sh- we agreed that we should not name earlier. And so I think that you know when we when you look at what it is that Dennis Allen had the opportunity to do going into this, uh, I think you know it was pretty much a given that he was going to be be the head coach. And I would say the same thing about the um, uh, defensive coordinator position. The only real shock there was that, you know, once they started talking about co-defensive coordinator, then it became a little bit interesting. But Mm -hmm. the two guys that we expected to be the top two candidates, they both got the job. Uh, Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen and then Pete Carmichael retained as offensive coordinator, but being given full-time play calling responsibilities. The things that are going to be interesting, of course, number one priority now is what do you do at the quarterback position, right? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Is it going to be somebody else? Are they going to go after a quarterback in the draft? So that will be a big piece uh, to all of it. Will they try to make a splash with a big trade or something like that although as we mentioned earlier those options are starting to dwindle unless you're okay with you know Kirk Cousins contract or something like that and then you you know the next thing that you look at is what is that defensive coordinator split going to be how are that what is that division of responsibility going to be between Chris Richard Ryan Nielsen and reportedly or not even reportedly I mean he told us Dennis Allen you know has a desire to maintain play calling responsibilities on the defensive side as well so you've got three people effectively with their hands in the defensive coordinator position how do you protect that? How do you make that efficient? So I, I think that those are going to be the two big things to keep an eye out on. And then, you know, big time free agents like Tron Armstead and Marcus Williams on their way potentially out. Are they able to retain those guys? Are they interested in retaining those guys? So I think there is a little bit of uncertainty that you feel when you think about how do you feel about this team. But I think that that uncertainty is coupled with a little bit of an excitement because you don't feel like they're going to approach this offseason the same way that they've approached the conservative approach that they've taken in previous off seasons. It feels like they can't. If they want to compete, then they'll have to be a little bit more aggressive this offseason. I think the tricky one there, isn't it, Teron Armstead? Because he's you're going to take a cap hit if he goes, right? It's quite right. a cap hit as well. Yeah, it's over $13 million. And sure. so, you know, are you okay with taking the cap hit there and then trying to find that money elsewhere when, you know, the alternative would be to actually extend him and then you can relieve yourself of some of the short-term cap 
um, implications, but then are you okay with committing to him long-term considering his injury um, history and everything? Or, you know, does, does the new hire of Matt Rhea, who is coming in from Alabama as their director of sports science, we presume he will be the Saints new strength and conditioning coach. Does he give you what you need to feel comfortable about committing to, you know, a 30 plus year old, um, you know, left tackle that has had some injury history, and then maybe you are a little bit more comfortable committing to him long term to relieve yourself of the cap hit here. And you know, uh, the the short term situation. So that'll be a, li- a little bit of the juggle to figure out is you know which of those paths is best. I know Teron Armstead wants to stay in New Orleans, but it'll be interesting to see what the terms are that will be able to be reached to make that happen. Well, look, you're out there at the combine, and you know, I think you'd imagine that they're going to want to hit big in the draft because though it always seems like the, the Saints are up against the cap and they, they always seem to maneuver things and restructure things and they're, yeah. they're fine I think most teams find a way but I guess if you can look back we mentioned earlier the 2017 draft we got Alvin Kamara Marcus Williams uh, Trey Hendrickson you know those guys mm-hmm. in particular that was arguably one of the best draft classes that we've seen in a long time um, yeah, you know if if they can hit, but I guess every team's going to be looking at that as well because if you hit in the draft, then of course you know you're going to free up cap space for big signings and free agency elsewhere, and you can sort out your mm-hmm. your finances. But do you think yeah. that the you know the Saints are, are they got to hit it this year given the cap situation, or you're not too concerned about the the, the cap at this moment? Yeah, I, I don't know that the cap will impact their draft strategy. I think that either way, they'll walk into the draft strategy the same. Um, I think free agency happening before the draft is always one of those things that ends up being, you know, that, that gives you that exact same situation they had in 2017, actually, where they, they signed Adrian Peterson, but then they drafted Alvin Kamara, and then they said, okay, well, week four, we could trade Adrian Peterson away now. And so, you know, that'll be, it'll be interesting just to see what they do. But their usual practice is their first focus in free agency is retention of in-house free agents. So guys like Marcus Williams, who we mentioned earlier, but then also other players that are going to be pivotal to the team. We're already starting to see some of the restricted free agents and exclusive rights free agents re-signed. We saw Albert Huggins re-signed yesterday. Juwan Johnson, the converted wide receiver to tight end, uh, re-signed today. He was set to be an exclusive rights free agent. So you'll see a lot of the in-house deals sort of be the focus first. And then from that, figuring out how to fill the holes on the roster in free agency so that they can then go into the draft and try to go best player available. The problem is that they have a lot of holes, especially if they lose Teron Armstead, then you have a glaring hole at left tackle, Mm. which you could fix by moving Ryan Ramchick to the other side of the line. And then you can maybe start James Hurst at right tackle. He's proven to be pretty efficient there. But then you still have depth at that point, right? So you have to figure that part out. You have to, you know, retool this wide receiver room a bit. You've got to look at what you're going to do at the tight end position, particularly over on the offensive side. There's a lot of important things to look at on the defensive side. If you can retain Quan Alexander, PJ Williams, Marcus Williams, then you're in a really good position. Make a decision on Bradley Roby based on his cap hit versus how many, you know, the, the percentage of snaps you expect him to play. That's more of a cost cut analysis more than it is a oh we're up against the cap and have to get under. They could you know get under the cap without doing anything with bradley roby's contract and so i think that that becomes sort of the rhythm is what who can you retain how do you replace 
And then can you go best player available in the draft? And if they can do that, then I think that puts them in a situation to go best player available in the draft with the positional value being heightened around positions that they still feel like they need to continue to add to as opposed to fully replace. So which names are you looking at at 18 in the draft? Or do you think if they get to a position where it's a best position available, do you think they're going to be in a position to perhaps trade back and gain some draft capital elsewhere? Well, the, the, the problem is that the Saints have only traded back, I believe it's twice in their draft history since 2006. <laughs> and I think it was the first two years that they did it and they haven't done it ever since. <laughs> so they, they, they aren't a team that's gonna, that's, that's likely to trade back. And, and like they said, they haven't actively avoided it. It's just that they value their draft picks at a certain level. And so it really require a certain level of compensation in order to get them to trade back. So we'll have to see exactly what that, you know, what those offers are that come in and how they, how they go about that. But if, they get to that point to where they can go best player available at 18 then you know you're looking at the group of wide receivers and offensive tackles that could potentially be there because regardless of what you do in free agency those are still positions that you should feel like you need to address for future years you could also say quarterback there as well even if you do retain a guy like Jameis winston and you do have your starter going into 2022 if malik willis out of liberty is there at 18 he's going to be hard to pass up and i know that the saints just drafted ian book last year in 2021 but you see a lot of teams that go back to back on quarterbacks to see what they're able to find. There are a lot of teams that have the philosophy of drafting a quarterback every year, not necessarily in the first round, but just drafting a quarterback to see what you can get there because you never know uh, what you're able to find. But then at the most important position in the NFL, it seems to make sense to go with the throwing spaghetti on the wall strategy to see what sticks. Right. And so I think in any of those cases, it's a good way for them to go. Um, you know, you'd love to see them walk away with some type of dynamic playmaking wide receiver, either in free agency or the draft. And so that would be the big thing that I would be looking out for outside of a mobile and athletic offensive tackle. Now, Ross, the NFC South, it feels like it's a division that's in transition at this point there mm-hmm. is the team that we will not mention um but you know they, they looks like they're gonna have a completely new quarterback and we know that the uh, outgoing quarterback the success that he brought to that mm-hmm. franchise over the past couple of seasons you know, it, it means that i guess the nfc south could be anyone's and as we all know you've just got to get to the tournament it doesn't matter how you get there but once you're in there you're in and anything can happen right right and so you know that's why these nfl teams they build their teams based upon what they need to do to win their division that that becomes the number one um the number one goal and you know you look at the way that the saints have built their defenses in the past right going for bigger more physical cornerbacks that's because you had mike evans julio jones you had you know uh, uh calvin ridley mm-hmm. uh, chris godwin like you had these big physical fast athletic wide receivers that you had to contend with every season and so because of that you saw the saints build their defense to be able to compete within the division that's six of your games every season right there and so if you can win the division you can get into the playoffs as you mentioned anything can happen and right now the nfc south and to an extent the nfc as a whole is kind of wide open because there's not really a clear front runner outside of the reigning super bowl champion los angeles rams that you can really say oh they are the favorites within the division you know the 49ers the cowboys both bring some intrigue but you know we'll have to see what those teams even look like next season and, and those coaching staffs look like next season and so i think that when you look at the nfc south you have the Saints who are in the midst of a big change with their entire coaching staff having shifted with the exception of offensive coordinator effectively. Big change potentially at the quarterback spot. We'll see what happens there. Um, 
you know, the, the, I'll, I'll go ahead and say them, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they're, they're in a situation <laughs> okay. where they, they, I know, to where they, you know, they don't have uh, Tom Brady anymore. They have a ton of outgoing free agents that are very important to the team that they're not going to be able to hold on to entirely, right, in their entirety. Uh, the Carolina Panthers might be the team that can surprise people, but they could still kind of have to figure out who they are. Matt Rule still kind of has to figure out who he is and what their identity is as a team and, and, and coach and what that relationship is. And the Atlanta Falcons feel like they're two years behind on a rebuild with no successor behind Matt Ryan and no plan there. So I think that they're kind of walking the line between trying to compete, but then also trying to rebuild. And so far it's not going great. And so I think you, know, you look at that and that means to me that the NFC South is wide open. So if the Saints make one or two right choices this off season, then all of a sudden they could propel themselves in a situation to where they're on top of the division again in a season where no one would expect it based upon everything that they've lost, particularly head coach Sean Payton over the course of this offseason. Music to the ears of Buddha Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. You're out there in India at the NFL Combine. This isn't a Saints question. This is an NFL draft question. Your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on who goes first overall on draft night in over a month's time? Yeah, it's a really, really interesting one because we're not talking about quarterbacks for the first time in a few years, which is actually kind of nice. We're talking about trench players. And there's a world in which the first six, seven picks of this play of this of this draft all come from the trenches, either the offensive line or the defensive line. And so my early projections were looking at guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. But I think that maybe Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, could be the first player off the board for Jacksonville that's looking to protect their you know, franchise quarterback. Mm. And, and I, I think that that would be a very, very good fit for them. That gives the opportunity for Detroit maybe to you know, have a little bit of fun and bring in a Michigan guy like Aiden Hutchinson early on with their selection and everything too. So uh, I, I really think Evan Neal might be the name to watch. And certainly things are going to change and shift as the combine goes on and we get the workouts and people fall in love with this prospect, that prospect that lights up the numbers. But as of right now, that's the way that I would look at it. All right then, Ross. I know we're talking football, but before you go, uh, I've got to ask your feelings on, on Zion Williamson, man, the, the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans, because, you know, his draft, here we are, we're talking about the draft, but uh, his draft a few years ago, obviously he was number one overall, but there was some talk around draft time that John Morant could be the superstar from that draft. How are you yep. feeling seeing John Morant going off, doing what he's doing, but there's nothing you not to like about John Morant is there he's he's great to watch but you know we we still question when we're going to see Zion Williamson play again and there's rumors of disgruntlements you know with the uh, the the Pelicans organization and yeah he'll end up with the New York Knicks or or wherever meanwhile John Morant is doing John Morant things for the Memphis Grizzlies Mm -hmm. what's that like yeah look I gotta tell you it it, it's a little bit tough I'll I'll say this I don't think that that the Pelicans made the wrong choice I just think that it's hard in a draft to predict injury problems it's hard in a draft process to predict something like this kind of very unique and, and and I'll be honest 
kind of odd situation as a whole. Now it seems that Zion has maybe bought back in a little bit. Um, you know, we got an update on his injury here recently. You can get more information on all of that from uh, actually another podcast, Locked On Pelicans, a part of our Locked On Podcast Network. Jake Madison covers the Pelicans. He does a phenomenal job. Uh, and, you know, you can see all the kind of the updates that are coming out. And so you hope to see uh, Zion Williamson back with the New Orleans Pelicans at some point this season or postseason. But it's tough. I mean, it's tough to, to see him knowing that he's a number one overall selection, not be out on the court, especially right now when you've got guys like Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. That trade for CJ McCollum was so good. And this team right now is playing so well. They're winning by 30 points yeah, in games against Western Conference opponents and everything. And so it, it, it's a really, really um, really fun team to watch right now. And you'd love to see Zion Williamson out there. And I think at this point too, seeing the way that this team is performing, hopefully is something that kind of lights a fire, a fire on lights, a fire <laughs> up under Zion. Um, you can put it together if you want to, oh, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, propels him to maybe be back by play in time or something like that, but certainly would love to see him. But Hey, I'll tell you this. I'm not upset about John Morant at all. Love seeing the the kid play. He's an incredible player. He's fantastic for the game of basketball. He's fantastic for the NBA, and so love seeing him light it up, especially for a, a, a you know a partner small market team like the Memphis Grizzlies. It, it's great to watch. Oh, it is fantastic. That fifty-two pointer that he had the other night was Ugh. oh, mesmerizing. and the way he did it. Those were no routine <laughs> fifty-two points. I mean, he did some incredible things oh, on man. the way to those. That that floater that he that he played. You know, it was the uh, the quarterback <laughs> pass down court. My goodness, right? And it, but he said as well, didn't he, at the end of the game that his teammates all said and the coaches said, look nobody's done it for the franchise go get 50 go get it and they they laid it for him and he delivered you know it, it, Love it. he had to do his job by delivering it but of course so so good uh, it's just so much fun to watch man mm-hmm. yeah he's great for the game of basketball he really really is and he's a he's fantastic for the nba product as well so i hope that they continue to throw resources behind elevating this kid because he's he's the next great right now well, Ross Jackson, you're great for the Locked On Podcast Network product. So thank you very much. Locked On Saints is where people can go and give you a listen. Where do they find you on Twitter, man? Oh, of course, that'll be over at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A. Can't get enough of uh, uh, of where I'm from and where I am. So, you know, Ross Jackson, NOLA is the easy place to find me. And I appreciate you having me on, buddy. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you very much. And look, we'll get you on when we find out who is going to be playing in London. Absolutely. Sounds great. One of the best podcast presenters out there, Ross Jackson. Make sure you check out the Locked On Saints podcast. And as soon as we know the details of those NFL London games and who the New Orleans Saints will be hosting at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, we'll let you know. And as I said there, we'll get Ross back on to discuss. It'd be great if we can get him over here and we can do a special podcast from a great public house is a location i'm sure you'll come and join us for a pint or two as well look you can follow us on twitter at t-a-s-s underscore uk i'm at a-r Woodson w-o-o-t-t-o-n coming up very soon we will have the kicker for the chicago bears cairo santos as a very special guest on the transatlantic sports show but until next time remember they combine the different assessments at the NFL combine. So is it combine or combine? That is the question.